Hey guys, we just want to take a second before uh, this episode begins to let you know that we will be talking about some sensitive slash physical things during this uh, episode. So if you're listening with kids, uh, nothing graphic, but we just wanted to give you a heads up so that you could make a decision, uh, informed decision about whether you wanted to uh, listen to this without your kids. Thanks for listening. Beyond a Parent, the podcast for Christians seeking clarity for parenting in a confusing world. I'm Jeremy Autry. And I'm Chuck Mead. And we're in this series on relationships. <sighs> I, I'm not looking forward to this stage in parenting, Jeremy. I don't, uh, I don't like looking back to this stage in my own uh Life? In my own life, yeah. yeah, yeah, We're not coming, as we need to say this more, but I mean, you guys know this, especially if you know us. Jeremy and I are never coming to you as we have, we are experts in this realm. Jeremy and I did not handle our adolescent years perfectly at all. Jeremy nope. came to Christ at a later age, so he yeah. has a better excuse than I did. <laughs> so That's um, right, Chuck. You're just a horrible person. I was just a backslidden Christian. No, really, I did not handle uh, relationships well and um, just didn't have a, re- a really good view of relationships So we're not coming to you with that lens, but now we're coming to God's Word and saying, okay, what is God's Word saying about how we are to instruct our kids in handling dating and handling relationships? So last week we talked about starting with defining what dating is, what... Um, marriage ultimately is every. I use this quote on a teenager this past week, Jeremy. Have you ever, have you ever heard of this? Every date is a potential mate. I think I said that to your son this week. <laughs> that and sounds he thought, creepy. And he thought that was a cool rap. Like he did. Yeah, I doubt that. He, he maybe to your face, but then he went and told his friends how creepy that was. Maybe, but yeah. I've heard. I heard that my entire life. Like that's a good way to kind of bring it up like, hey, the purpose of dating is marriage. You got to keep that in the back of your mind. Um, but this episode, what are we going to talk about? We'll talk about uh, some dangers in dating. So there is a purpose and there is uh, it can be a God honoring purpose in dating. Um, but there is definitely some very big, very scary uh, dangers in dating. And to be honest, without trying to oversell, there's some areas that you can make mistakes in your dating life as a teenager and have scars that you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life. Um, things that choices that you can make, sinful choices you can make that affect the rest of your life, that affect your marriage, that affect your mindset. And I'm not saying there's no forgiveness. There's no grace for that. Mm-hmm. But sin is dangerous. Yeah. Can a man take fire into his, into his bosom and not be burned? Sin's mm-hmm. dangerous. And uh, we just want parents to walk into this stage of their parenting with their eyes wide open, understanding that there's some really serious dangers here. The world treats this so casually, so and, and just expecting this is what teenagers are going to do. It's not taken seriously. And so we as parents must approach this and treat it seriously with our kids, talk to them about the serious nature. So these dangers, 
that we're just sharing with you from Scripture are dangers that you should be talking about, again, with your kids on a regular basis. With these things, it's not like you have to have this structured meeting. Okay, today we're going to go take your son out. I'm just imagining this with Wyatt and say, okay, I'm going to have the dating talk with you. And you just have this serious meeting where your kid's like, what is going on the whole time? And you give this. No, these are dangers that we need to be pointing to our kids out on a regular basis. When we're seeing something portrayed on TV, when we're just in the car, these should be regular conversations. And uh, side note, these dangers are not just things for you to make sure your teen or uh, whatever your child is aware of, but also for you to be aware of. These are things that you could play into, you could yeah. add to, you could cause. Uh, you need to be aware of the role you play in this situation also. And also, as we step into it, let's never forget, God's bigger. Whatever mistake we make, whatever mistake your kids make, uh, that's not the end. God is a rescuer. God is a redeemer. And so it's important that we never set up in our kids' mind or in our own mind the the idea that, hey, you're going to mess up. And if you ever go down this trail, mm-hmm. there's no coming back and and you can never have joy in your life again. That's that's idolatry. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, God's bigger than that. Yeah. So we need to keep that mindset also. And yeah, I and I may say this again at the end, but it's just, these are dangers. There's always consequences for our sin. So there's, just, like Jeremy said, there's things you take into adult with you that are mistakes taken from childhood. But but we are both, Jeremy and I are both just recipients of the grace of God. And I remember thinking from past failures that God is never going to give me a godly wife because I don't deserve it. And I I didn't deserve Katie. Still don't. <laughs> Still don't. Yeah. But God is a gracious God and gave me an incredible wife and his grace has covered uh, my past sin, and and this should be lead you if you can maybe maybe you're thinking, man, I can't even talk to my kids about this because they know they even know how much I've screwed up my past. Well, come to them and tell them, uh, talk to them, be honest and vulnerable about the consequences, but talk to them about the grace of God and the gospel, because if we God left us to ourselves, all of us would be stuck in our mess, but He's rescued us and provided gracious gifts in our lives even when we've gone down these dangerous roads in our past. Yeah, so, and we can keep flipping this back and forth. Um, but the fact that God has rescued me from my past sin, speaking personally, the fact that God's given me a God-honoring marriage where I find lots of fulfillment and joy doesn't mean that sin's not still dangerous. Mm-hmm. We want our kids to walk that line mentally. We want them to understand there's grace but sin is still dangerous. Yeah. So really, we could read this entire chapter, but we're talking initially about the dangers of um, dating or really just sexual immorality before um, sex outside of marriage and all sexuality, sexual immorality in all its forms. First Corinthians 6 talks a lot about that. Jeremy, if you do you want to just kind of summarize or take some of those verses? Well, I love um, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. Mm-hmm. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Mm. Uh, then it goes into talking about foods are for your stomach and your stomach's for food, but your body wasn't created for sex. That's not the only purpose that it has. In other words, it's not a need that you can't live without. Um, but then when it gets down around verse 18 and the rubber hits the road, 
uh, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Um, And the chapters in between there actually touch on marriage. So you see how all of that is tied together. The idea of not coming um, under the control of of, uh, thinking that you need to be physically intimate before marriage, not under the control of dating itself, uh, understanding the importance of marriage, and then being very careful with your sexual, uh, to flee sexual immorality because you were bought with a price. And this body that, if you're a child of God, this body belongs to Him. Yeah. So we could start off and say the first danger we need to communicate with our kids of dating is premarital really premarital intimacy in all of its forms. Um, It is so easy um, for there to be strong connections built that happen too soon. What would you say along those lines? Um, So there is a level of intimacy that should be reserved for your spouse, specifically physical intimacy, but also emotional intimacy. This isn't something that should be the same level with some girl that I knew before that it is with my spouse. Um, There's a lot of reasons that that's dangerous. Having hindsight now of being a married man, I don't want my wife to have had the same level of intimacy in any area Mm -hmm. with somebody else. Um, That is something that should be reserved for marriage. Uh, And it's dangerous for your child to have that level of intimacy with someone who's not their wife. And we'll talk a little bit later about it, but the truth is most relationships that occur during the teen years don't last into marriage. So um, to have a relationship with this deep-seated intimacy, whether it's emotional, physical, whatever kind of intimacy it Mm -hmm. is, when that ends, it leaves scars. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so there's certain things, obviously, sex just being one of them that are reserved for this is reserved for the marital union. It's part of God's design. And then there's others, other aspects of intimacy like emotional. And you get closer to someone emotionally the longer you're with them. But the biggest thing, Jeremy, when I talk to teens and I'm talking to them about um, just being careful in their dating relationship is I try to get them to look at this and say, okay, um, you... We know God has reserved these things for marriage, especially physical intimacy. So when you, how close are you? This is what I ask them. How close are you realistically to getting married? And so if they say, okay, I'm, I'm going to get married when I may be in my 20s. And when I'm having this conversation with someone who's in like eighth or ninth grade, <laughs> I try to put this in perspective and say, okay, do you realistically see yourself getting married? Very soon. No. And I say, I hope not, because your parents would freak out if you thought <laughs> if they thought you were getting married when you were 16. So you're years away from marriage, so you have to begin to pace yourself at to, as to how close you are with this person. Because it's going to be very hard if you're in this very intense state of super close intimacy, not even not even charting into the explicitly sinful like living in sin and physical intimacy. But I'm saying just emotionally, that's going to be very hard for you to pace yourself 
in that emotional state until marriage. Right. And so if, uh, if you um, put yourself in the, the seat of a teenager, in the mindset of a teenager, um, and you are in this dating relationship and you allow yourself to be close, just super close with this other person, uh, emotionally and, and physically intimate, and then that relationship ends as statistically teenage relationships do, um, obviously that's going to hurt, that's going to be uncomfortable, that's going to be painful. But the truth is, and I'm skipping ahead, Chuck, to the way we had these in order, but I think it fits well here. The truth is that is a training ground, that is practice for divorce. Mm -hmm. It's setting me up for, hey, I'm learning how to deal with losing someone who I'm very close to, ending that relationship, figuring out what it's like to have to be around them, to experience the negative feelings of that, to experience the shame of looking at someone that I was intimate with, to experience the hurt of someone who I was uh, emotionally close to, and now they treat me badly. To go through all of that as a teenager, first of all, uh, nobody is ready for that, Mm -hmm. much less a teenager, but... Uh, a teenager who's been through that multiple times is getting hardened and scarred, and they've been hurt, and they've experienced uh, a miniature divorce. They've experienced the end of intimacy. So now as an adult, their mindset's going to be askew. They're going to be more prone to think, hey, this intimate thing may come to an end mm-hmm. because it has before. Yeah. So it's really cheapening marriage when we promote this idea of casual dating all through the adolescent years. And we as parents can play into that, right? I mean, we can play into that when we we place our kids' relationships at a high level, almost treating it like it's a marriage. Yeah. As a family, you should have these different... Uh, tears, and I'm not saying this should be written down somewhere, or mapped out in your mind, but the activities that a boyfriend participates in with your family shouldn't be the same activities that your daughter's fiance might participate in with your family, mm-hmm. and the fiance's participation with your family shouldn't look the same as a husband's participation with your family. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you where you should draw those lines, but I'm saying these things should look significantly different. Yeah. How you treat your son's girlfriend should be different from the relationship you have with your son's wife. Yes. Those two things should be mar- markedly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think sometimes um, we want to be kind. We want to be inclusive. We want our kids to be happy. Sometimes we get really infatuated with the fact that our teenagers are in a relationship and mm-hmm. we are having dreams and and fantasies in our own mind about this evolving into a marriage and we jump the gun and yeah. we're treating it like that mm. in our own mind. I mean, we would never say it that way, but we're, we're going that far in that relationship um, and the way we interact with it and the way that person participates with our family and we've jumped way far ahead, and we're we're helping our kids to be even more intimate with that person. I'm not just talking about physical intimacy, but closer with that person. Mm-hmm. And then this relationship is going to end, and it's even more 
like a divorce in that situation. Yeah. Now the whole family is going through it together. Yeah. And and when those relationships end, your kid doesn't need you to be grieving the loss of this relationship just like they are. They need you to be their parent and tell them, hey, like that I love you. This is gonna be okay. God and pointing them to God, that's what they need us to do. But so often we as parents can could get so easily caught up in this relationship that it's hard, harder on us or just as hard on us as it is our own kid that this relationship ended. Of course, because, I mean, let's be honest. This is something we want for our kids. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about dating, but I'm talking about a happy, God-honoring, fulfilling marriage. There's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. We want that for our kids. Right. But we got to pump the brakes. Is that a thing people still say, I Pastor think so. We got to so. pump the brakes and not get the cart ahead of the horse and keep these things in proper order mm-hmm. so that we can help our kids to keep these things in proper order. I mean, for us, the distance from ninth grade to marriage as an adult, that seems like a short time. But mm-hmm. for a teenager, man... Those five years, uh, 10 years, whatever that is, it's an eternity. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of stops and starts and things to walk through. And we need to take our time with that, too. Uh, I liked your terminology of pacing yourself. Uh, Parents, we need to pace ourselves. We need to look at the relationships our kids are in uh, logically and honestly. Mm -hmm. And if this is a boyfriend and not a fiance, there should be lines that, hey, this is this isn't the kind of stuff you're included in, and this is. If this is a husband, I mean, a fiancé and not a husband or wife, those things should be different, too. Right. Uh, and you should think through what that looks like in your family. Yeah, and I mean, we've, we're already mentioning this balance. So, yes, uh, we want to empathize with our kids, and we don't want to brush over their feelings and when a relationship ends or they're just hurt with any any difficulties in their friendships. We want to be parents that can talk to them, that can have conversations with them where we can actually tell our kids that we we realize they're going through a lot. We're not diminishing the emotions that they're experiencing. But at the same time, we've got to be careful as the adults, as the parents, as the disciple makers, that we are not getting too caught up in their dating relationships, that we're helping them establish boundaries, but that we're also not getting so caught up and in the back of our mind understanding realistically at this age, it may not end in marriage. So let's, how are we going to make day-to-day decisions now, keeping that as a legit possibility in our minds? The last statistic I read, and it's been a while since I looked into this, um, but 85% of people marry someone they didn't know in high school. 85%, almost 9 out of 10 people yep. marry someone they didn't know in high school. So um, just we got to keep that mindset. Yeah. We got to keep that mindset. And the fact that, not that I agree with this, but people are getting married later and later in life. And so we also have to keep that in mind that... My kid may not get married in their early 20s, so we've got to think about this. I, can't, I, I wish I could remember where I read this, but I literally read that the average age of first marriage is 30 years old. Mm. 30 years old. Wow. That's crazy. In the early 1900s, people got married at 14. Yes. You know, but society is changing. And, and I think this is even a big difference between us. We've got to understand gener- generationally how different we are than our parents and our grandparents. Because even kids' grandparents may put a lot more weight in an 
in a teenage relationship because they may have gotten married when they were 19. Right. But that's just on average. Again, we're not coming down with this strong position on this, not saying that's right or wrong when people get married. But we've got to understand some people put a lot more stock into it because relationships, they were getting married at 19, 20 years old. Yeah, so the fact that your parents are freaking out that your 19-year-old isn't married yet, that's a generational issue. Take a chill pill, Grandma. It's not a biblical issue. A lot of grandmas are taking chill pills. That's an episode for another time. Sorry. (laughs) So another danger, Uh, Jeremy, we're going around a little bit, but we could also point to another danger being one of uh, really making an idol. So it's so easy. And again, this could be across the board. Yeah. We're all guilty. Of, we're guilty. We can be guilty of making our marriage an idol, but there's a strong temptation in these uh, this realm of teenage dating to make an idol out of their boyfriend, girlfriend, or making an idol out of love or the relationship yeah. in general. So sometimes, uh, first of all, let's identify an idol. An idol is anything we put in God's place. And by that, we say, hey, Instead of worshiping God, worship worship, showing that God's more valuable than anything else. Instead of worshiping Him, I worship this other thing alongside of maybe God. I put a lot of worth and value, and this thing or this person or this situation or this concept becomes more important to me than God. Yeah. I come to this thing, this person, this concept for my joy, for my comfort, for my peace, for my protection, for my purpose, all the things that God is supposed to fulfill in my life, um, I come to this idol for that. So my wife, uh, I love my wife. She's amazing. And I'm prone to make an idol out of her Mm -hmm. because there are things that needs that God meets in my life through her. I get a lot of joy from my marriage. I get a lot of peace and comfort from my marriage, but I have to ultimately look to God for those things, not my wife, because she's not always able to be what I need. Mm -hmm. So she will crush under the weight of this idolatry. So anything that we're looking to for our or whatever, this need that we have, instead of looking to God, that becomes an idol. Mm -hmm. And how easy it is for a teenager who's infatuated with another teenager to make that person an idol in their life. And just look at how much society puts an emphasis on this. Society is teaching, our culture is teaching our kids to make this an idol, that they will be happy or they won't be happy until they're in a relationship. I mean, we see this on TV shows. We see this in the music they listen to. We see this everywhere. So they are being taught this. Um, The questions people are asking them, they are the weird kid in school if they don't, if they can't name somebody they have a crush on. Yeah. I mean, so they are being highly pressured to make this an idol. Right. And so sometimes it's this individual that they're in a relationship with or that they would like to be in a relationship with that becomes this idol in their life. If I... If I didn't have this person, I could never be complete. But sometimes it's just the concept of having another person, having a romantic relationship, whether that's dating or marriage, that turns into this idol. It becomes the most important thing. You know, I've talked with teenage girls who were in relationships with guys that were not good for them, but they were and they knew it. But they were so set on being in a relationship. This Mm -hmm. was so important to them. Uh, and I'm talking about godly people 
But the being in a relationship and working towards a marriage was so important that they had blinders on to the fact that this wasn't the guy that you should mm-hmm. be in a relationship with. And parents can play into that because they can be excited about those relationships. Grandparents can play into that because they think that you need to get married by the time you're 17. I mean, all of this. And then the music we're listening to. I, I wish I knew the statistic. I bet seven out of 10 songs in popular music, probably higher than that, are about romantic relationships in one way or another, positively Mm -hmm. or negatively. Um, The movies that we watch, even the ones that aren't romances or rom-coms, still have a romantic relationship in them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, it is all around us and it's easy to make an idol out of that. Yeah. And we can help kind of fight back against this idolatry, even at a young age, if we... Now, obviously, marriage is a gift from God. We we are open and are praying for our kids to marry someone who one day, if God leads them to marriage, that they would marry someone who loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But at the same time, we've got to be careful in our conversations and what we say to our kids that we're not feeding that idol. And I even find this, Jeremy, I'm parenting a three-year-old, but making comments about, oh, why it's why it's got his little uh, girl here who's hugging him, you know, and like get a little girlfriend. <laughs> well, he's a cute kid, yes. man. But I mean, I I have to stop myself and be like, okay, that's stupid. Like, I got, I got to <laughs> stop saying stuff like that because I don't want to put this, you know, pressure oh, yeah. on him. Then when he wants a girlfriend when he's 11 years old, and I'm like, no, you can't have a girlfriend. Well, then why are you keep making comments about you told me having I a girlfriend? Had a girlfriend when I was three. three yeah. <laughs> so we just got to be consistent in what we're um, saying, even passively to our kids. Not only that, we need to teach our kids. Hey, you get your fulfillment, your purpose, your joy, your comfort, your protection, your strength, your identity from Christ. Because the truth is, they don't need to be in a dating relationship to be fulfilled as a person. Yeah. Not only that, they don't ever need to be married to be fulfilled as a person. Oh, what? <laughs> Is this true? Uh, yes, it's true. <laughs> it's even biblical. We are whole people. Yep. And the the whole inside of us is God-sized, mm-hmm. not spouse-sized. Right. To be complete is to know God, to be adopted into his family, to have perfect peace and joy and comfort and purpose available to you is to know God, Yeah, nothing else. And so a single person can stay single their entire life and be fulfilled and have joy and have peace and have comfort and have an identity outside of marriage. But when we make an idol out of romance, we tell our kids that that's not true mm. and that's a lie. It's so interesting that it, through through the years and people talk about the gift of singleness and everyone, teens laugh whenever I use that term because nobody views that as a gift. But what the Apostle Paul is saying when he presents singleness, which he basically recommended, Paul says, I, I advise you to be single like me. You're able to devote yourself more to the ministry of the church and serving others. And so I think we see in that that we're all single at some point in our life. (laughs) None of us were born married, so everyone's going to experience singleness. And realistically, we're going to, even if we're married, 
it's realistic that one of us will experience one day. Not often do do people have an ending like the notebook where both spouses die hand in hand at the same exact time. So singleness is a... Pastor Chuck, did you watch the notebook? I don't want to talk about it. That's gross. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. So singleness is an expectation for all of us. And so Paul gives us that instruction that that is a... Though we may not always see it as a gift, it is a gift from God to glorify Him in that season. So when we emphasize dating, when it becomes an idol and a danger of that with, um, with especially with, with our kids in the teenage years, is that they can be discontent with that time period of singleness that God wants to use in their lives. So God intended marriage. It's a gift that is offered to us that we can use to glorify God. And singleness is also a gift given to us that we can use to glorify God. And uh, for some people, that season is their life. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that they're missing anything or anything's lacking. Also, the time period that all of us go through, it doesn't have to be this less than time period. Mm -hmm. In fact, it can be Amazing, and we can glorify God. And I wish I had known this as a teenager. One of the most influential people in my life as a kid was my elementary school teacher. Her name was Miss Hall, and she taught me in fourth and sixth grade. She was never married, taught elementary school her entire life, but she made more of an impact on my life than my own pastor did up to that point. The way she encouraged me, the way she taught me how to walk with God, the way she encouraged us to get in the Word. And so here's someone who had a significant impact on my life and many, many, many others. She was never married, but she embraced singleness and embraced God's call on her life. So it's not like you can't, we can't accomplish God's mission or God's task for us only if we're married. There's so many opportunities people who are single can that they can have to um, just serve the Lord and point others to Him. So uh, we're coming close on our time. Just to wrap up, there's some very uh, dating is great. It's okay. You can glorify God in dating relationships, but we need to be honest and realize there's some dangers, an inappropriate level of intimacy whether that's any kind of intimacy, specifically physical intimacy, but other intimacies too are dangerous um, because those cheapen marriage, those are uh, leading us to a training ground for divorce and even adultery. Um, But also there's a real danger in the idolatry that can go along with dating, Mm. idolizing the person you're dating or the person you want to date or just idolizing the concept of dating marriage, romantic relationships, putting that in a place where we think this is the only way that I can truly be fulfilled. Uh, and dating can, the concept of dating can lead us down these, these dangerous paths. So our hope and prayer is that um, you'll get the opportunity maybe this week or the next few weeks to have these conversations with your, with your kids when they're talking about who they like and relationships that you can begin to explain the dangers of dating in a Christ-honoring way. But thank you guys for listening to Beyond a Parent. Remember, parenting is beyond us, but in Christ we have all that we need for this journey. See you guys.